Good morning. <clears throat> that was our own Bruce Ryrie. Let's give Bruce a hand this morning. Amen. It's a good word. It's a good testimony. Good morning. I'm Pastor Kinnon, and uh, I am delighted to be uh, here with you this morning. I'm one of the associate pastors here, and I'm in the lead pastor here at Crosswalk. And so if it's your first time visiting with us, I want to say good morning to you. I also want to say good morning to our live stream audience and let you know how glad we are that you're joining us. We have a lot to go through today, but I'm excited that you're here. We're in the middle of a series. It's called Meant for More, and we're trying to move toward a fuller faith. So that's our goal today. We're going to move toward a fuller faith. And we've talked about ways that we can do that. The first week when we opened, we talked about kind of moving from inside our bubble, right, to outside. So we're not just trying to live Christian life in this little room that we call Asbury Hall here. Or you're not just trying to live life in your house. But we're actually trying to go out and be moved to a fuller faith by God's Spirit uh, into uh, being actual the light of Christ in the world, right? So we're trying to get out of that bubble and get out into the world and be the light of Christ. Are we going to do that crosswalk? That's moving to a fuller faith. Give yourself a hand. You passed question number one. Amen. Okay. The next thing we talked about is being the kingdom of me and being moved into a fuller faith and being the kingdom of we, meaning that we intentionally strive every single day of our lives to make God part of our picture. Can we do that crosswalk? All right, so amen. Let's give yourself a hand because you passed number two. Come on, be hearty. This is hard for some people like me. So we need encouragement today. We're going to be talking about how we can move from giving to God, to returning to God. Can we do that together? Let's be moved to a fuller faith this morning in Christ. Amen? Now listen, you know my mind is musical. You know I think musically all the time. It's just the way I am. So I've got some music to help us with this. It is like this. Yeah. You like that song, Crosswalk? I love that song. Can I hear it one more time? I just love that. I don't know what's cooler, the song or just being able to go and hearing the song. That is just amazing. Can you give our tech, can you give Patrick a hand? God bless you. Thank you. I love that. It's so cool to be able to do that. Now listen, we're going to be talking about a book that we normally don't preach out of named Malachi. Malachi is the very last book of the Old Testament. So it's easy to find. Just go to the New Testament and then it's the very... First thing before that. So Malachi. And we're going to be uh, looking at uh, chapter 3. But before we get there, here's what I want to do. I kind of want to set you up by giving you a scenario. So daydream with me here, if you will. So kind of close your eyes. Kind of think about uh, this. This is what happens. Imagine. We're enjoying this beautiful weather. But imagine if it was a couple of months ago back in August, right? What's August like here in Texas? It's hot. It's hot. It's August, and it's hot. And it is forecasted to be in the low 100s every day for the next ever many days there are. And the AC on your kid, now now some of you just went, ooh, I don't have kids. Listen, just pretend like you have a kid, okay? The AC on your kid's car goes out, right? It goes out, and it's going to be a few days before the mechanic, your family mechanic, can get to it, Okay? Now, you, you, of course, are working to pay the bills, right? And so you decide, out of the kindness of your heart, that while you're gone for those few days, you're going to let your kid borrow your car, 
right? That doesn't come with any expectations, right? For your parents, right? No, that never happens, right? So here's what happens while you're gone. They cruise around in the comfort of your car all week. They set your radio stations to all their favorite stations, right? Now, these kids uh, love to go shopping, so they load up the car, right, with a bunch of their friends, and they all go to Canton for the weekend, the first Mondays, that's coming up, right? So they go to Canton, right? I'm sure that's where your kids go, because it's such a cool place, right? And while they're in Canton, they decide, well, we'll just go on over to Pastor Stan's little Stillwater Country store, right? And so they're over there, and they're hanging out, and they bring all their goodies back in your car. But when they do, the things that they buy and stuff kind of scratch and dent your car up a little bit. Oops, sorry about that. Any of you irked yet? Okay, so let me tell you this. Then they decide, just off the top of their heads, because kids are so creative, right? They decide that they're going to load up even more of their friends, and they're going to take your car to South Padre for the week, right? They're going to go to South Padre. They're going to go, and they're going to camp out. They don't, they've, they've devised a plan. They don't have to spend any money on a hotel room because they can sleep in your car, Right? And so they're down in South Padre, they're getting sand in your car, they're eating in the car the whole time. It's a total road trip, they're playing Michael Jackson, and they're just like totally trashing your car out, right? Now, meanwhile, you're coming home from your business trip, right? And they arrive at the airport late to pick you up and get you your car back, because theirs is now ready at the shop, right? Only your car is out of gas, your car is trashed and filthy, and there is sand everywhere in it. Now, they never bothered washing it, and it looks like they've gone mudding in it, not to mention the first thing that you are going to have to do after you wash your car and is to uh, clean it, fill it up with gas, right, and then go have the oil changed because of all the miles that they've put on it, right? Now, your plane was on time, but they were late picking you up, and you've been traveling since 4 a.m., and they are clearly put out and have an attitude about this. So they hand you the keys, tell you how lucky they are that they had the time to pick you up at the airport because they've been so busy planning to have all their friends come over that afternoon to watch the cowboy game at your house. And so... They want to know if you can drop them off by the mechanics first on your way home and, oh, do you have $1,100 they can borrow to get the AC fixed? How are you feeling about your kids? Oh, you've loaned them your stuff so that they would have everything that they needed, everything that they personally needed to help keep everyone around them, including themselves, happy, but instead of respecting and being a good steward of what you've loaned them out of the generosity of your heart, they act like God's gift to creation and abuse your generosity that you offered. And on top of all, now you owe them a favor to loan them some more of your money. Now, that is what Malachi is dealing with in this scripture. So I just wanted to kind of set that up so that you would understand where Malachi is coming from. Malachi is dealing with the AC having gone out. And the children of Israel are kind of acting like it's all God's fault. They're a little put out, right? Malachi's audience, have, they kind of lost heart and faith, right, in God. They were expecting some things to happen. They were expecting, first of all, that the exile would be over, <laughs> but it wasn't. So they're getting a little impatient about this. They were expecting the promise of their prosperity 
to come to fruition, right? But it hadn't. It hadn't yet. And they were getting uncomfortable, right? They were getting uncomfortable, and they wanted from God what they wanted when they wanted it. You see? That's what was happening. So they began to doubt the unchanging, unfailing character and nature of God. That's what these people had, had begun to um, do. They began to doubt that. And so they started asking themselves some questions. And I, I really want you to focus on these questions. They wanted to know, first of all, did God love them? Did God love them, really love them? And were they serving God in vain? Were they serving God in vain? Malachi here has to work to kind of rekindle their hearts. And to kind of remind them that their, their actual true need is to repent uh, and, and, and for their lack of loyalty and discouragement when they clearly serve and worship an unchanging, unfailing God that they can count on. The unfailing God of Israel. So when Malachi accuses them of their unbelief, they ask for evidence of their need to repent. And here's what Malachi does. Malachi answers them with a message straight from God. Listen to this. Let's unpack this in verse 6 through 12. I'm going to be reading from the message. So if you have a Bible app, go to Malachi 3, the message version. I am God. Yes, I am. I haven't changed. And because I haven't changed, you, the descendants of Jacob haven't been destroyed. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. Now, now doesn't that sound like something a parent would say <laughs> to their kid? You have a long history of ignoring my commands. I think I tell my kids that like every day. Um, so you haven't done a thing I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you. Wow. Sorry about that a dramatic effect. Return to me so that I can return to you, says God of the angel armies. You ask, but how do we return? Begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. Malachi responds to the demands of his people for evidence of their need to repent by using a very rare verb that I want to teach you here. It's translated here as robbery, but this verb also means to hide or to cheat or to defraud or to cover up. Now you ask, how have I robbed you? The tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Now bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so that there will be ample provision in my temple. Get these words. Test me in this. And see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessing beyond your wildest dream. For my part, I will defend you. God is saying, personally, I will defend you against martyrs, uh, against, uh, I protect you from your wheat fields and vegetable gardens, against plunderers, the message of God of the angel armies. You'll be voted, get this, I like this, happiest nation. You'll experience what it's like to be, and this is corporately now, a country of grace. God of the angel armies says so. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for uh, Malachi, God. Thank you for this story. Help us, God, to, um, to hear from you, from your heart, what it is that you would have us to know, God. Help us, Lord, to embrace, God, that everything's from you, Lord, and that we're simply returning what is yours to you in our stewardship here in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, these Israelites, like I told you, they were in a context that was super duper ripe for losing their faith in God. They felt fear and they felt isolation. Ever, do we ever feel those kinds of things um, in our days? They wondered how they would ever return to a time of prosperity when they were in such a place of exile. Oh, we've been there, right? I mean, we remember the crashes and the bubble bursts and all that sort of stuff that we've kind of gone through in our lifetime, some of us. And, and so we've, we've been to those places before, and so we can kind of understand. We don't know exactly what they felt like, but we kind of get it, right? And they were asking themselves two questions. Does God love us? Are we serving God in vain? And the reason why I want to lift these up to you is because there's a problem with these questions. These questions may be questions that we ourselves are actually tempted to ask, right? Does God really love us, and are we serving God in vain? Does it ever seem like we're just serving God and serving God and serving God, but we're not getting anything in return, right? The problem with these questions is that they are unfaithful questions, they require us to, ju to judge God's own capacity for loving us. And what that leads us to is a question about whether or not God is actually worthy of our gifts then. And those are really dangerous things to go down. In the days of Rocket Man and Confete, right? In the days of civil unrest and violent protests. In the days of continued oppression and bigotry run amok like we've seen. Do we have the right to ask these questions? Does God really love us? Or are we serving God in vain here? In the days where it feels like our beatitudes have been written, they may sound something more like this. Blessed are the arrogant and godless. <laughs> or blessed are the evildoers, for they shall prosper. Or blessed are those who put God to the test, for they shall escape punishment. Be sure of this. God does not abandon God's distinctions between good and evil. God does not abandon God's distinctions between right and wrong. No, God does not do that. God knows fully what's good and evil, just like any loving parent would. God would never abandon those distinctions. Now, I want to remind you what we know about Abba Father, who... Before we dare ask such questions, we should consider how much God deeply cares for us as God's own children because God is unchanging. This word even says it, unchanging, unfailing. And there are four things that I want you today to be confident in. If you're sitting in your room today, if you're watching this on live stream, if you're sitting here in Asbury Hall, the first one is that God is with us. Amen. 
God is with us. We felt the, God, the spirit of God's presence as we sing and we opened our worship this morning and as we're sitting here reading the word of God, we know that God is with us. God's presence is sure. And our acknowledgement of God's presence, though, is kind of iffy sometimes. <laughs> but what we can embrace is no matter whether we feel like God is there or not, God is there. We just need to get to a place where we acknowledge God's presence. But God's presence is sure. We celebrate that right here at this altar and in, in, in our communion. The real presence of Jesus Christ is beautiful. If you were at the World Communion concert, it was beautiful right there. The next thing I want to assure you of is that God is always forgiving us and always washing us clean. Always. The way maker that we sing about is always taking what's dirty and impure in us and what's filthy in our hearts and always offering us over and over and over again love and forgiveness. And not just second chances, kabillionth chances, right? Right? Isn't that beautiful? I'm not that forgiving, but God is. God is unchanging and unfailing. And so we can always know that. That no matter how untrusting our hearts are, God's is always clean and is always cleaning ours. Amen? And so we remember that in our baptisms, right? We remember how, how precious it is that when we ask God for forgiveness, that our sins are washed from us. And we're guaranteed the assurance of a clean slate. How awesome is that? So I want to encourage you this morning you can ask God for a clean slate, and God's going to give it to you. Isn't that beautiful? And God is not just going to offer you a clean slate. God is then going to transform you on the inside, transform your heart. Isn't that amazing? Because people are like, well, what does that mean, Pastor Kenan? Does God love me right like I am? I thought God loves me who, for who I am. God does love you for who you are. God just loves you enough not to leave you that way. <laughs> Can I be honest? Now, I pray that God is going to leave me this way. I hope God's got a bigger dream and a bigger vision than I have for myself. So that's what I want you to hear, that God loves you too much to leave you that way. And so you can count on the assurance that God is going to transform you. And then the most beautiful thing that I have to say about God today from my mouth is that God is unfailing, God is unchanging, and you know what else, friends? God is able. That means when you have a problem, God's got a bigger answer. <laughs> that means that when you've got doubt, God's got an overcoming of that doubt that's bigger than your doubt. That means no matter what you think you're facing that just seems unsurmountable, God has got a big answer for you. God does. God has made us and set apart, and we are meant for more, and we are working towards living in a fuller faith. Now, that's proper prostrate position before God. That's how we approach God, because that's who God is. You can admit this morning that when it comes to understanding God 
and giving to God, as returning to God, you can bet that the key is not whether or not God loves us. That's for sure and unchanging. You can bet that the key is not whether or not God deserves our worship. God absolutely deserves our worship. The key to understanding our giving as returning to, what, to God, what is already God's, is our own hearts and attitudes. It's our own hearts and attitudes about giving back. And so here's a little music to remind us. Oh, no, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we need a new attitude, right, sometimes. Now, I'm going to give you some myth busters because this is a sermon about money. I want to give you some myth busters about giving our offerings to God. The first myth buster I want to bust is that uh, offering time in our church is not a Christian taxation. <laughs> it's not some kind of hassle tax that you have to pay here uh, in order to... That's, that's more like a government kind of thing. A government forces a tax on you so we can meet the needs of our people, right? And, and we can supply the needs of our infrastructure and stuff like that. That's not what offering is. In the kingdom of God, giving is something very, very different from a tax. God is... Giving uh, in this context is, is to offer back to God what God has already given us. It's not a tax. It's just returning to the Lord. It's, it's returning to God who is the source of everything that we have. That's what we believe. And so when we do that in our act of offering and in our act of celebrating, we can celebrate God's abundance it's being able to say, God, here, here is some of what you give me, and I celebrate that out of the abundance of what you've given me. The problem is, is that some of us, I don't know about you, but sometimes we don't feel so abundant, right? Anybody ever feel like that? I don't feel abundant. But I want you to know this, that we can sacrifice to help others by returning what is, to God what is already God's, and God will not only meet their need through you, God will meet your need too. That will absolutely have it happen in your giving. Now here's another myth buster. Let me have some music. I need that to inspire me. Yeah. Okay, so now it's about the church, the priests, right? It's about us. I don't want you to leave here today thinking that my job in talking to you about money from the Bible is to turn you upside down and shake 10% out of you. That is a myth. That is not what's happening. I'm not trying to uh, shake 10% out of you. And there's a great debate some of you will make with me. Well, is it, is it gross or net? <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> Let me assure you, if we went by the early church, if we went by uh, Judaism that was practiced in the Old Testament, 10% would be nothing. The truth is, back in the day, when all of that was going on, 10% was just like the starting point. Then they had a festival tithe, that was another 10%. Then they had a tithe to the poor, that was another 3 and a third percent. That would be 23 and a third percent. I'm not trying to talk to you out of that. That's not what this is about. I will tell you it's based on your gross, but hey, whatever. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but oh my God, can you imagine if I told you I need you 23 and a third percent today? No, it's not. What a crock. What a sham. And if you've gone to churches that have been teaching and preaching that kind of stuff, I want you to know that's a sham. 
I want you to hear me when I say that I mean it. It's an irresponsible teaching by some churches to the potential citizens of the kingdom of God. No wonder so many people in history have asked whether or not it pays to serve God. A God who they think maybe rewards evil. Or maybe thinks that justice goes unpunished. No wonder so many of us have reflected an attitude of serving and giving to God based on getting something in return. I want you to understand your tithe is something so much different than something that will harden your heart. I do. I've seen actual situations in churches as a pastor where people have withheld their giving because they didn't like somebody or something in the church. And I'm going to tell you something, church. That's not how it works. Beware. Beware of that. Because God judges the wicked. God does not. God does not discriminate. God does judge. But you, friends, what you and I need to discuss is the fact that you are God's prized possessions already. You. Not your money. God doesn't need that. God's glad that you have it and God gave it to you. But it's your heart. You are God's prized possessions. You live out of that abundance. Amen? Oh my God, that's fantastic news. The word of God says, how great is the love of the Father has poured out on us that we could be the children of God. That's what God values. It's you. It's me. You don't have to serve God and give to God in some kind of formula in order to get something in return from God. You have already got it. You can't earn it. This word says, my grace is sufficient for you. (laughs) I've already given it all to you. Through Jesus Christ, God's only son. It's an all-sufficient grace. It's God's word made flesh. You've already been given what you need. You and I give in a response to that extravagant grace that God has already shown us. We serve and return to God our prayers and our presence and our gifts and our service and our witness because God's abundant gifts of life and possessions have been given to us out of God's own generosity to us. God initiated it, not us. Amen? Israel had gotten away from this understanding. That's what's happening in this story. Likewise, we sometimes get away from this understanding. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that the way to happiness is 10% in the offering plate. When I know good and well that God can move some of you beyond that, way beyond that. So I'm not going to do that. Or 23 and a third percent. Some of you may be sitting here in Asbury Hall this morning or sitting at your computers this morning or streaming on your phone this morning and thinking, oh great, another pastor talking about money. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ spent a third of his words talking to people about their money. You show me a pastor who won't talk to you about it and I'll show you a pastor that does not love you enough to talk about it. 
Israel's way of understanding their robbery of God and return to God had to go down the road of obedience and sacrifice. Obedience and stewardship. It had to. If we're going to move toward a fuller faith, our road must go down the road of obedience and stewardship. And now there's five things I want to tell you very quickly. One, everything you have is from God. That's Deuteronomy 10, 14. Not my words, God's word. Everything you have is from God. Your motivation, number two, what you, uh, what you return in terms of prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness is going to be proportionate to your own faith. So what you give in those ways doesn't mean that you have to give all of them perfectly. You may be in a season where your prayer life is up, but you are a little poor, cash poor. You may be in a season where you got all the money in the world, but you don't have any time. You may be in a season of your life where you can serve like crazy. Do what you can. That's the point. It's not that we're expecting you to be perfect, but be faithful. That's the thing that matters. Do what you can. Your motive, that's Romans 12, 6, by the way. Now, your motivation for serving and returning to God must be love. It cannot be any other thing. It must be love. You know why? Because it's greater. It's greater than receiving something in return. Then you'll believe that God loves you and you won't question whether or not God loves you if you give out of your love for God because God loved you first. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters because you will hate one and you will love the other. Now, if you are increasing in your own personal wealth and God is being robbed, like it's in this scripture, I want to tell you right now, I'll be honest with you, you're on a path to spiritual poverty. That's just the truth. You do not have to lose to become a good steward. Do you believe that? You do not have to lose to become a good steward. You don't. But you just wait and see how God will use you and use this church and provide the needs of so many people and also meet your needs too. You just watch God's faithful response. God says, test in this. The last thing I want you to know, friends, is that good stewardship is Christian discipleship. So, so many of you are like, I'm just hungry. I just need to be fed. I just want, this is feeding right here. Good stewardship is Christian discipleship. And as Malachi would say, your bank account is a great report card. Malachi knew it. I know it. And friends, you know it. Now I want to tell you something. My wife and I, a tithe for us, doesn't matter what the percentages are, by the way, a tithe is just what you agree to to give. We decided last year we were really going to be all in. That's what our campaign was last year. And a tithe for us is sacrificial. We have little kids and we have one who just graduated college. It really is sacrifice. It means that I have to tell my kids, no, you can't do this or that. So God laid a number on our heart 
And we wanted to make sure that we were out in front of this thing. We wanted to make sure that if we're up here talking to you about it, that we can lead in that discussion. And so for us, that meant real sacrifice. And I'm going to tell you what happened in that. God watched renovations in Asbury happen. And the band come together. And so many of you come in here and be reached. And I saw so many of you go to places like El Salvador and go to places like Haiti, go to places across the world and really transform and change lives as the light of Christ out of the bubble and into the world as Christ's light. I saw so many people here be transformed. God multiplied those gifts in ways that I couldn't even imagine. And your gifts too. God used us to do something amazing. And you know what else? I'm still standing. I got my food. I got my family. We had enough fun. Everything was fine. God met our needs too. That's how God is faithful, unchanging, and able. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, Lord, we thank you for so many good things, so many things that you've done, how you use our littleness, and then you transform it into bigness. And you do things, God, that blow our mind, and you use people like me and like others here in this room. It just blows my mind. And so, God, help us to have a a heart of good stewardship. Teach us, Lord, your word and your ways. Help us, God, to know what it is to give our all. In Jesus' name. Now, friends, I have to tell you, I want to celebrate some really cool stats about the things that have gone down here at Lover's Lane and at Crosswalk Church because you've all been a part of an amazing year, an amazing year. You want to see it? Check this out. More than 150 kids served each Sunday morning in Sunday school. Approximately 340 hours have been given to serve children with special needs through Austin's Army. 10,200 meals fed to homeless people. 37 international missioners of all ages. 113,636 meals through Feed My Starving Children, 44 weddings, 68 people baptized, 3,700 people per month participate in 12th Step Ministry, 909 people in prison are impacted monthly, 50 incarcerated people who have been baptized through our prison ministry, 90 children from Heart of Africa have been provided backpacks and school supplies. Over 100 deaf and hard of hearing people participated in the fourth global Methodist Missions Conference of the Deaf. 22 people experienced a deaf interfaith pilgrimage to the Holy Land. 150 volunteer musicians are engaged in music ministry serving 7,000 hours and annually impacting literally thousands in worship 
and special concerts. 200 new members joined the church and engaged in ministry and outreach here at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. I want to say thank you for being a difference maker through your generosity and through your gifts. May God bless us as we go forward into 2018. love that video because it just tells us about the tip of the iceberg and sometimes our staff sits and reflects on this question what would happen in our community what would happen in our city what would happen across the world if lovers lane ceased to exist would it would it matter and this video is a testament that it absolutely does matter because of the literally thousands of people here in our city and around the world who are impacted because of what god is doing through you and so as we con continue to prepare for next year in 2018, you have all received a commitment card and a letter from Pastor Stan when you came in. If not, they're in the back for you. Um, we want to ask you, if you believe in the mission of Lover's Lane, which is loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ, and if you believe in our vision, which is that we want to be one diverse community that passionately engages the Bible, uplifts Jesus in worship and loving service and challenges in love that which divides. If you believe in our mission and vision and want to continue the ministry that you just saw, we want to ask you to partner with us. What happens when you fill out a commitment card is that then we as a church are able to be better stewards of the gifts that you will give. So our budget each year is prepared based on how much we think people will give. And when you tell us it makes it easier for us to be a good steward. This worship service, Crosswalk, is funded by you. And then 30% of that goes back into what we call our operating budget. And our operating budget is keeping our lights on, keeping our building clean, paying for our staff, and paying what's called our conference apportionments. So we wanna ask you to prayerfully consider how God might call you to return back to him what, what is already his next year, and help us be good stewards uh, by filling out a commitment card. Next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. We want you to pray about how, how God is calling you um, to give and to partner with us in ministry. You'll see on the commitment card on um, the left side, the top says the total pledge. Then there's a place for operating budget and heartburst. And our heartburst gifts are anything that your heart beats for. Um, and if you want to help fund this worship service, we ask you to choose Crosswalk. And then on the other side, in, in order for us to be good stewards, it's also helpful if you tell us how you'll give. One of our goals this year is to increase the number of people here at Lover's Lane who give a reoccurring payment. Um, what reoccurring payment does is rather than getting all of our funds in December, which happens a lot, we get big gifts in December, and that is amazing. But if you will pray about hey, I'm, I'm going to go on auto draft. I'm going to trust God enough that God will provide everything that I need and um, we will draft your pledge every month. That helps us to steward our resources well. So let's pray over the commitment card um, and over our offering and we'll ask you to bring these back next week to celebrate with us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you have allowed us to be in ministry here through this local church. We give you thanks for the number of people 
who have been impacted that we've seen on the videos and those who we don't even, we can't even count because your impact is so great, Lord. We're thankful. And so God, as we give back to you today, we ask that you would bless our gifts, that you would uh, speak to us about how you're calling us to partner with Lover's Lane next year. And God, we will be careful to give you the honor, glory, and praise. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray and that we give.